there's no place we would rather be this morning than to be here together worshiping you. Father, I pray that as we hear this message, Father, we will uh, take it personally. We will internalize this message, Father, as a message from you and not just my opinion, God. God, thank you so much for your word. Father, thank you so much for your whole Bible, God, your whole word, your word in its entirety. Father, I pray that we will we will dig into your scriptures, Father, as we leave here, Father, and and uh, and learn from it and apply it to our lives. God, I pray that our hearts are moved this morning. Through your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Um, thank you so much to uh, Charlie and Becky for uh, sharing their heart in communion. Um, really appreciate your vulnerability, Charlie and, and Becky, um, just how much you you give to God's kingdom as well. Um, I want to welcome everybody visiting with us this morning. Um, those who are accustomed to us and those who are here for the first time, uh, thank you so much for coming. I uh, would love for you to come back again after this. And, um, you know, this is today we're starting a new series. So um, you've come at a, the right time and um, would love for you to uh, come back to hear the rest of the series. Also, I want to congratulate Rome on getting baptized on Wednesday. Uh, that was awesome. An awesome time together. Um, it's just such a, a pleasure to see our young people um, loving God's word. Right. And wanting to learn God's word and wanting to follow him. And so, um, like I said, today we're starting a new series and um, it's a four week series which examines the unity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Right. And, uh, you know, people can sometimes segregate the old and the new without fully understanding what God is saying throughout the Bible in its entirety throughout all scripture. And so through understanding our impulse to to apply and, and misinterpret the Bible, we can see the story of redemption that unifies everyone from Abraham to Paul and points to Jesus, who is indeed the linchpin that unites the Bible. So consider, if you will, Consider a jigsaw puzzle. Anybody like jigsaw puzzles? Yeah. Right? Right? Um, so I see, I saw like one hand. Jeez, guys. All right, two hands. Uh, I mean, come on. Jigsaw puzzles are fun, right? It tests your patience, right? And so, but anyhow, uh, consider a jigsaw puzzle, right? And, and a collection of intricate pieces that are laid out and each holding a fraction of the bigger picture. And so on their own, they're a colorful and they're colorful and intriguing, but without the complete image to guide you. And so they can seem random. They can seem disconnected. They can seem as if they have nothing to do with each other, as if they don't even fit together. Now, imagine suddenly finding the box lid, right? The, the, the package that it comes in, you find the lid with the complete picture, and everything starts to make a little bit more sense. The Bible can feel much like this puzzle, with its rich stories from the Old Testament and the, and the transformative teachings of the New Testament, and it can be challenging to see how they fit together. Yet there's a central piece that binds the entire puzzle together, making each piece 
fall into place effortlessly. Today, we're on a quest to find that cornerstone piece. And in doing so, understand the unified story of scripture. And so journey with us this morning, right? Let's let's open our Bibles this morning. We're going to flip through some scripture and uncover the unifying hearts of the Bible, who is Jesus Christ. You know, he is, as I mentioned before, the linchpin that hinges the Testaments together and, and helps us understand what God has done. So let's make a few declarations throughout this series. All right, we're going to start with one declaration this morning that I'd like you to write down. The first declaration that we will make is that we will treat Jesus as the center of the entire Bible, interpreting all scripture in light of him. Right? Let me repeat that. We will treat Jesus as the center of the entire Bible, interpreting all of Scripture, Old and New Testaments, in light of Him. And so this morning, what we're going to do is support this declaration. How many of us have watched the, the television show Ted Lasso? Right? Pretty good show, right? There's some parts of it that you want to kind of have that remote handy to kind of go through there, right? But but it's a pretty good show. It's hilarious. And so Ted Lasso, he depicts an underdog story in which we see the impact a person can have on an entire community of people. And so he's an American coach, right? And he doesn't know anything about soccer, right? And this is... This is this is quite comical. His lack of knowledge is quite comical because he's hired as a coach in the English Premier League. Right? The top league in England. Now, England has like 30 something soccer leagues, right? Under English football, but he's hired to coach a team at the top level. And he knows nothing about soccer. Never played it, right? Never he never watched it. He has no connection whatsoever to the game. And so his, he is made fun of and, 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 and belittled throughout the first season of the show. But his charm and the love that he shows to others cha- changes the team. And so by the third season, Coach Lasso decides to completely change the team's place. And everyone doubts that it's going to work. After all, he knows nothing about the game. Right. But he decides, Okay, I've learned some things through reading and whatever. I'm going to change some plays here. And so everyone doubts that. However, amidst the struggle and the doubt, one of his friends, Trent, tells Ted that it's going to work. That you changing the plays, this is going to work. And so over these few seasons of of Ted's coaching, His influence has created a community that can work together no matter what the strategy. And so and so one of the reviewers of the show said by slowly. But surely building a club wide culture of trust and support through thousands of imperceptible moments, all leading to their inevitable conclusion. So we often want instant results, right? 
Yes, indeed. We often want instant results. But just as, as Ted Lasso gradually built trust and changed the soccer team through numerous small moments, God's plan for salvation has been a gradual journey filled with countless moments leading us to Jesus. Right? It's been a gradual journey, and we see that throughout the scriptures. It's just a slow journey. And I hope we will be receptive to some of these moments as we have, as we uh, move through this series this morning. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with one such moment. Right. We're going to start with Jesus in the Old Testament. And so Jesus had a moment when he had to explain to disciples how the Old Testament points to him. And we're going to turn our Bibles this morning to Luke 24. Luke 24, we're going to start in verse 24. Amen. So Luke 24, we're going to start in verse 24. And, and what? just some, some background here. This is um, a passage of, of entitled On the Road to Emmaus, right? And so, you know, after Jesus was crucified and he rose from the dead, we had some gentlemen and they were they were walking uh, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And so as they're walking, they're talking and discussing a few things, right? And Jesus happens to walk along with them, unnoticed that he is the Messiah, right? And they and, and so he says, what are you discussing together as you, you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast, and... He says to says back to Jesus, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus says, what things? What things happened? And so they start to explain what happened there in Jerusalem. And so in verse 24, as they've come to the, the, the end of their story here. It says, then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. You know, Daryl Bach writes that Jesus is not being cruel here, but his gradual revelation of himself allows them to learn certain lessons about trusting about trusting God's promises. You know, this, the disciples were so slow to believe that Jesus, they were so slow to believe that Jesus calls them foolish. Jesus calls them foolish here because they're so slow to accept and to believe, right? And so they were slow to believe the scriptures, like even even Isaiah 52 to 53, they were so slow to believe Psalm 16, right? They were so slow to, to believe scriptures, not to mention Deuteronomy 18 through 15, which says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me 
from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. That's Deuteronomy, right? Psalm 2, verse 7, I will, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Daniel 7, 13. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. How amazing is that? Daniel 7, uh, verse 14. It says, He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language, language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The disciples were told about these things many times. Over and over they were told these things, but they had a hard time believing it could happen. But the more they learned, the more they learned gradually, right? Again, sometimes we want things pretty fast. We want to learn things pretty fast. We want to move on, right? But the more they learned gradually, the clearer it became for them. And so they were reminded to remember what God said and trust that it would happen. They said they were reminded to remember it. That God said these things and promised these things and they would happen. You know, this shows the necessity of seeing Jesus as the culmination of God's promises from the very beginning. The very beginning of time. You know, we live in a fast-paced world where we must have everything right now. Soon is not good enough. That's too long. Let's have it right now. Right? We have, we have apps. We have different things that helps us to accomplish things right now. Right? Now we have DoorDash. We have... Uh, we have Uber Eats. We have uh, Instacart apps. Instacart. Right? It's not, it's not good enough that with the, the Publix is like less than a mile down the street. We want to stay home and still get it now. I'll tell you a story. I'm going to tell you part of the story, actually. So the other day, and I've mentioned this to some of you guys, and mentioned how hot I was, heated, not hot like good looking, but heated, um, maybe that too, um, but so I, I ordered Domino's, right, and it was like probably 8, 10, Travis was hungry, and it was, I ordered Domino's, and, and um, I wanted to treat him to pizza that night, and this was about 8, 10, and so on the app, what it normally does is it shows you when they put it in the oven. And as it bakes, when it comes out for prep, and then when it leaves, right? And so I'm watching it. 
I'm watching the app, and it's not moving. They haven't put it in the oven yet. So I'm like, okay. Like 20 minutes goes by, and I'm still looking at it like I have nothing better to do, right? And it's still not moving. And so the blood is starting to boil now because Travis comes out and he's like, so the pizza here yet? No, not here yet. Not even in the oven. Right? And I'm starting to get livid now, right? And so it's like 8.30, you know, 8.45. And so I decide, okay, well, I'm just going to ease up. I'm not going to call him. I'm just going to wait. It's like 9.10. You know what I'm saying? Peanut butter and jelly, right? It's like 9.10, and they're just leaving. Right? So I literally watched the app for like an hour. And they're just leaving. And I'm like, all right, cool. No problem. I'm all right. Not really, but I'm all right. The guy comes. He gets there at like, and he drove pretty fast, I guess, right? He gets there like, it was like 9.20ish. He gets to the house, and I'm tracking him. I'm tracking him on the app, so I know when he turned on the street. So guess what I do? To save him some time, I come outside. Right? I come outside, I walk down on the sidewalk, and I see him get out of his car. And as he gets out of the car, he's walking up to me with no pizza in his hand. Yeah, right? No pizza is in his hand. And so he comes up to me, <laughs> and I don't know why he even tells me this. I don't know why he got out of the car. He's like, so I don't have the pizza in the car. So where's my pizza, dude? I've been watching you. You put it in the oven. You cooked it. It was prepped. And I watched when you left. So where's my pizza? So apparently he forgot my pizza. And then, and then he has the goal to tell me, oh, it's right down the street. It's just, I'll be just five minutes. No, you're not going to be five minutes. I know exactly where it is. And it takes at least 10 minutes to get there and 10 minutes back. And I don't want cold pizza. I was hot. I prayed like 20 times. Right? I was heated. And so he left. And I called them back to find out what was going on. And first of all, I had to hold for like 15 minutes. You know, it was like almost 10. It was close to 10 o'clock now for an 810 order. Right. And the lady got on the phone and she was acting as if I did something wrong. And then she's like, you know what? I'll just go ahead and put it in the oven right now. And I'm like, okay, I did say I didn't want cold pizza. But now you're making me another pizza and it's almost 10 o'clock. I'm like, you know what, lady? It's all good. Because I have all the apps for this for speedy interaction, right? I have all the apps that are supposed to help me, right, to get things fast and get things done fast, but this one failed. And so I said, you know what? Just refund me my money. I'm good. We're gonna have ramen tonight. Sorry, bro. Sorry, Trad. We're gonna just have ramen. Right? You know that emergency ramen that you have? Right? And when and when you can't cook, 
you just have to make ramen. All right? And so we're just having ramen tonight. And so I went, okay, this is the part that I said. Y'all need to forgive me about this. I went on Yelp. And I went ahead and did a review. But it was more like a heart dump. You know what I mean? Like more like a I'm just mad right now and I'm never going back there and I hope nobody else does kind of post. And I took a picture of my island with nothing on it and posted it under the Yelp. You guys can go check it out if you want to check it out and read it yourself. I was hot because it didn't come fast enough. Right? It didn't come at all. Never came. Right? And and that's what happens when we don't get things right away. We live in a fast-paced society that things need to be done now. Right? And like I said, the disciples were told about these things many times. But they had a hard time believing that it could even happen, that they could even get their pizza. You know, we live in such a fast-paced society. Yet that is not God's way. He is slowly and gradually revealing his word, his plan, his pace needs to be good enough for all of us. Is his pace good enough for you? Can we trust his pace? Can we can you wait for his promises? You know, he keeps his promises based on his own timeline, not yours. His gradual unfolding teaches us patience and trust in God's promises and timing. You know, imagine reading a gripping novel. This novel is just like you've been waiting for it for a long time. You pre-ordered it and it's, it's, it's this gripping novel. But the first few chapters are confusing and they make no sense to you. Then halfway through, a character is introduced who suddenly brings everything into focus. Halfway through, even if you if you got there, right? Because sometimes we start reading and it's, it's boring or we don't get it and we stop. But halfway through, suddenly, this character brings everything into focus. The Old Testament can be much like the confusing part of the novel sometimes. Full of prophecies and anticipation, which Jesus fulfills and makes very clear in the New Testament. No doubt, when beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them in this passage we just read what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And Jesus used many of the texts that show up in other places, like Luke and Acts. But taking them back to the scripture, by taking them back to the scripture, Jesus is noting that what took place was part of God's plan. It was part of God's plan and his promise. And Luke highlights the point by speaking about all the prophets and interpreting all scripture, all of it. Scriptures 
all the promises and all all the in in, uh, in the in 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 the Old Testament. And so this text is a primary witness to Jesus. You know, we can rest assured that Jesus is who he claims to be. Amen. He is who he claims to be because the entire Bible is about him. The entire Bible prophesies about him and then it is fulfilled. And so as we read the Old Testament, let us look for Jesus in the prophecies, the promises that are made, recognizing that he is the answer to those promises, that his life and teachings give clarity and fulfill the anticipation of the Old Testament. Again, let us declare that we will treat Jesus as a center of the Bible, interpreting all scripture in light of him. But not only um, do we see Jesus in the Old Testament, Jesus fulfills all of scripture. All scripture, especially prophecies, center on Jesus. The promises made throughout the Bible find their fulfillment in him. Let us look to Matthew 5, verse 17. Matthew 5, verse 17. And I'm going to read a little bit more than what is on the slide there. But in Matthew 5, starting in verse 17, it says, Do not think that I have come to abolish. This is Jesus talking, by the way. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, Jesus is not contradicting the law. But he's, he's saying, he's also saying that it's not unchanged. Instead, he has... He's come to fulfill the law and bring it to its, to its intended goal. Amen. And so we should clarify the difference between the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, right? And so the, the, the Old Covenant is how God related to his people, right? He related to his people through sacrifices, through the temple, he related to his people through the high priests, right? And so there were, they were a set of regula regulations, right, that has been fulfilled. However, the Old Testament, the law, prophets, psalms, historical books, they carry wisdom and truth, right, that Christians can learn from through uh, a Christological hermeneutic in application, right? And what I mean by that, it's it's um, um, an interpretation of all the Bible through Jesus Christ, right? The Hebrew scriptures, in other words, 
This is the Old Testament. And so it is adequate to say that either that that either that none of the Old Testament applies unless it's, unless it's explicitly reaffirmed in the New Testament, or that all of the Old Testament applies unless it is explicitly revoked in the New Testament. And so instead of saying those two things, rather what we need to say is that all of the Old Testament remains normative and relative. And irrelevant, I should say, for those who follow Jesus. So let us look, take a look in uh, 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 16. It says, all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed. All of scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All of it. There is not a part of scripture that we could say, no, this is of no use. All scripture is. None of the Old Testament can rightly be interpreted until one understands how it has been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. There's going to be some foggy areas if you don't see it being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In the New Testament. So think of Jesus as a piece, as a last piece of a puzzle, for instance, right? We were talking about puzzles earlier. Think of Jesus as the last piece of a puzzle. That the piece that completes the picture, making it whole and meaningful. Without this piece, the puzzle is incomplete. Right. And the image is unclear. The Old Testament law is the incomplete puzzle. And Jesus is the final piece. There has to be Jesus for it to be complete. Not only is he like the missing piece of the puzzle, but he's the central piece of the Old Testament. He's a central piece of the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament without considering Jesus, you're reading it wrong. Jesus is the linchpin. And so a linchpin is an incredibly old word, right? As hearkening back to, if we can go to the next slide, it's hearkening back to the center of a wagon wheel that attached to a cart or carriage, right? And so in Old English, this central attachment was called a linus, L-Y-N-I-S, as Old English evolved into Middle English, think roughly about the 13th century, this attachment became known as the Linus pin or Linz pin, L-I-N-S-P-I-N, which evolved into what we know now today as the linchpin. A linchpin today is an essential component of the home. Something without which everything else will fall apart. It holds it together. A court case, a chemical compound, they all have a linchpin. It holds it together. If you remove that linchpin, 
right? That wheel falls off and the carriage comes down. Jesus is the linchpin of all scripture and of all human history. Everything that we know of our past, Jesus, through the Bible, Jesus is the linchpin of all of that. History, Old Covenant, Old Testament. For truly knowing Jesus Christ is what the Bible is all about. And when he's, when he's the hinge that holds scripture together, Jesus not only brings to light all that scripture holds, he also holds together a people who might be separated by various methods of interpretation. Right? Because sometimes we hear one interpretation, another interpretation, right? All these different things. And you would think that the kingdom of God and the church would fall apart because of so many different interpretations. Well, you know, the one thing that unites all of them is Jesus. Through all the confusion and misinterpretation of Scripture and all of that, you know, the one thing that unites them all is Jesus. We can talk about non-denominations, denominations, all these different things. It's Jesus that unites all of them. If you don't want to call him your brother, you can call him your cousin, but they're united. In Jesus. Such interpretive decisions matter. And they should be explored. Jesus matters more. For he's the one to who, by whom the Old and the New Testament find their perfect relationship. And so the house of the gospel of Jesus is built on that foundation of the Old Testament. And it's hard to have one without the other. You cannot have Old Testament and not have New Testament. You cannot have New Testament and not have Old Testament. When we look at the laws and the commands in the Bible, we should remember that Jesus did not come to erase these, but to fulfill them. This understanding will shape how we interpret and apply God's law in our own lives leading us to a greater reverence for Jesus and his role in our salvation. Because if the whole story is about him from Abraham to Paul, then it means something to each one of us and our salvation. So to conclude, Jesus is not the only culmination of scripture, but also the means by which by which those who believe, even from different interpretive backgrounds, can find unity. Both Testaments complement each other, with the New Testament building upon the foundation laid by the Old Testament. And so my prayer is that we will leave here today with a greater appreciation for the unity of the Testaments. And if there's any question about what you just heard, I would encourage you to speak to the person who brought you today. In fact, they may do a better job explaining the unity of the Testaments than I have started to already. And we hope to see you back here next week. And to God be the glory. Amen. Amen, amen. We got to give that another hand, guys. Come on.